Good morning. My name is Jenny, and I'll be reading this morning from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody online as well. It's great to be here with you this morning uh, as we conclude this series on Joseph. Uh, if you are a, one, a, a child or childlike in this room, there are um, colouring in sheets and activity pages for you uh, as we talk about this story today. So... We've been journeying with Joseph for quite a while. We've uh, seen that uh, early in his life, he had a, a fair amount of hardship. But he's been in a season of being the Prime Minister of Egypt. He's held the second uh, most prestigious role. Uh, he's had authority and he has been leading Egypt significantly uh, during this time. And then uh, we have seen that uh, because he has been providing for the nation during a time of great, great famine. Uh, a couple of years into the famine, his own family have needed uh, to come to Egypt for food and, and uh, to essentially stop themselves from uh, starving. And he has been able to provide for them. And in that part of the story, uh, Jacob, his dad, brought all of his uh, children to Egypt. So all of the brothers, all of their children, all the livestock, ev absolutely everything has come ev ev and, and everyone has come to Egypt. And Joseph had basically prepared all of this for them. God had been working in his life to make sure that uh, they were provided for. And then we see in the next couple of chapters that Jacob is, uh, he's quite old and, and he knows he's about to die. And he gathers his sons and he gathers Joseph and his sons and he gives them a special blessing over their life. And then he uh, gathers his other sons, they each get a blessing 
Some of the things that he spoke over uh, their lives actually reflect that uh, from a character perspective, not so great. Uh, but he knows. He knows all of his sons. And then he, he dies. And uh, Joseph is released to take his body back uh, to his original land and uh, they go great mourning over that time and they bury Jacob there. And then we pick up our story today because his brothers, Joseph's brothers, have come back and they have realised, hang on a minute, now that Dad's gone, can we actually trust Joseph? So Genesis 50 in verse 15, as we just heard, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did him? They were really worried. And you can just kind of imagine uh, their fear as they're at the mercy of Joseph because remember that Joseph is a really powerful man. He was obviously, uh, he had the authority to do with them whatever he wanted. And it was, uh, at the end of the day, he could have made their life either a misery or actually even ended their life. So from a human perspective, he certainly had, he was within his rights to pay them back. But then the passage goes on and it says, so they sent word to Joseph. They did this through a messenger. So they've decided that the safest thing to do in this situation was to actually send somebody else in, kind of self-preservation. We see the, the brothers, I, I can just imagine them uh, whispering to a messenger. They're kind of going, okay, uh, this is what we're going to get you to say. And they come up with this story. They put all of their ideas and, the, and the, they actually go, okay, I think the best solution actually is to rely on dear old dad, even though their father actually had passed away. So we do think that the, the story was probably made up and they just couldn't come to Joseph at that time and ask him for his mercy. It says in the next part of the passage, your father left these instructions before he died and this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. So obviously there's no way that we can know for certain that they've made it up, but... As I was reading through this passage, I'm thinking, wouldn't you think that if Jacob did think that Joseph in any way was going to harm the brothers, wouldn't he have said that when he gathered them all together just before he died? Wouldn't he have kind of said, oh, and by the way, Joseph, make sure you look after your brothers? But actually, he knew the heart of Joseph. He knew that he had forgiven them. And he certainly had nothing to worry about, so didn't mention anything. It is interesting, though, that they do rely on the influence of their dad. 
And if you have ever been to any of my parenting sessions or anything like that, you will know that as parents and grandparents, we actually do have a significant amount of influence. Influence over our children, no matter what their age. But the brothers are really mistaken. They're very much mistaken. The whole story was unnecessary. And we see in the next part of the passage that when their message came to him, Joseph wept. He weeps. But he's not weeping for himself. He's not feeling sorry for himself at all. It has nothing to do with their bad treatment of him. He isn't feeling sorry for himself. He's weeping for them because he knows that they just don't get it. They don't get God. They just don't understand that despite their bad treatment of him, this story actually isn't about them. The whole point of the story is that God was with them all. God had been with Joseph at every turn, everything that Joseph had gone through and that we have been looking at over the last few weeks. He knew that it was all in God's plan. He also, I also believe that he wept because it just shows what little those brothers thought of him. Joseph is recognising that they don't realise how much that he loves them. That actually he, they think that he hates them, that he's out to get them. And I think he realises, he's going, why are you doing this when these sins from the past have already been forgiven? So then... They're thinking, they're in the back room. I think they're hiding. They're, they're kind of sending in the messenger and then they're hiding behind a curtain and they're just waiting to see what happens, what Joseph's response is. So then they see him weeping and then, then they're kind of going, okay, we are in big trouble and they rush in. They rush in to the room and they bow before him. It says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. And then, so they've, they've come in and they've just, they've gone, okay, next plan, let's grovel. Because they actually don't know why he's, he's weeping. Is he weeping because, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. My brothers have done these awful things to me now. I have to punish them. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Okay. No, that's obviously not the case. But they come in and they grovel and they are just feeling the full weight of their guilt. It says in Psalm 38.4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. A guilty conscious conscience can overwhelm. A guilty conscience can be such a heavy load for us to carry. A guilty conscience doesn't need uh, an accuser. It actually becomes its own accuser. You start filtering absolutely everything through the lens of your guilt. It can really cripple you as you start to think about the way people are treating you and the different things that are happening in your life. It all comes through that lens of guilt and it's a distortion and so they're projecting that lens of guilt onto Joseph. 
Between chapters 37 and 50, we are talking about a span of 40 years. 40 years of carrying that guilt. And just because they weren't with Joseph for all of that time, we can tell that they, they have carried that guilt for a long time. To go back to a father and to tell him this made-up story and to see Jacob grieving and all of the things, they carried that guilt. And then we see in verse 19, Joseph says, Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for your children. And we see this incredible heart of Joseph once more. He doesn't completely dismiss their actions. He's still calling out their evil. He isn't saying that what they did was good. He is still saying it's definitely evil. He's not standing there going, hey man, it's all right, no worries, it's fine, water under the bridge, who cares? None of that. He's being honest. When you guys plotted to kill me, that was evil. When you threw me down into the pit, that was evil. When you ignored my cries, that was evil. When you sat and had lunch and you laughed at me while I was being tortured down there in the pit, yes, that was evil. And when you sold me as a slave, all of that, definitely evil. I recognise that it was evil and I'm not going to shy away from that. But it's all gone. It hasn't, I, I haven't carried that. I've let go of that. God has done the work in my life. And he instead focuses on God. Again, back to God. What gave him the ability to speak those powerful words is that he knew that God had a purpose. And two things specifically. He knew that God was sovereign. Nothing happens by accident. God is in control. And he knew that God is good. And he desires what is best for us always. And on the surface, it looked bad for Joseph, sold into slavery, forgotten, abandoned. Uh, but God was preparing him in all of those times, setting the stage to be ready for to be God's spokesman in that world. In Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have, called, uh, who have been called according to his purposes. All things, all things, good things, bad things. Times when uh, things are joyful, time thing, when, when we are in despair. All things, God is there. And it strikes me that if Joseph's brother had never sold him to the Midianites, if, if actually they had never gone through this whole process even, 
they actually wouldn't have even been able to get to this point where they knew that they were forgiven. They actually had to go uh, and come back to Egypt for their own restoration. All things. If Joseph had never been sold to the Midianites, then he wouldn't have been in Egypt. If he'd never gone to Egypt, then he would never have been sold to Potiphar. If he'd never been sold to Potiphar, he would never have been able to work in his house. And if he'd never been able to work in his house, he would never have been accused by uh, his wife of molestation. And if he'd never been wrongly accused, then he wouldn't have been sent to prison. If he'd never been sent to prison, he wouldn't have met the butler and the baker. And if he never met the butler and the baker, then he would never have interpreted their dreams. And if he'd never interpreted their dreams, well, then he would never have actually been able to have that opportunity to stand before Pharaoh. And if that had never happened, he would never have been able to be prime minister and make a way for God's ultimate plan. Isn't that an incredible story of God's faithfulness in good and in bad, in all situations? You know, I think sometimes... When we are thinking about hardship, we are so tempted to pray that we never have bad things happen. We want to protect ourselves. We want to uh, preserve goodness in our life. But actually a far better prayer for us would be that would God would use every hardship to make us more like Jesus that we would feel that God was with us in trouble, that God would use that hardship for his glory. For example, instead of saying, Lord, please don't uh, give me that really hard maths teacher this year, what would be better to pray is, Lord, you know what's best for me. Give me that maths teacher that will help me to learn the best. And if I get that really hard maths teacher, I pray that I would know that you are sitting right beside me in class. Help me to do my best and be a good example and help me to work hard and help me not to complain. Wouldn't that be a good prayer? And apply that wherever it is. This story of Joseph communicates something about forgiveness that we need to pay attention to this morning. Joseph had been sinned against and almost to an unbelievable extent, really. And I know that we are all sinned against, but we are just so tempted with this battle to relinquish the desire for vengeance. Really, you could say that Joseph was in all of his rights to just play out a little bit of vengeance, but it was completely gone. The desire for us to see those who have sinned against us just ruined, plain old hatred in our hearts. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It belongs to him. It's not our place to take vengeance on other people. Even though Joseph had the power to, he didn't. He said, forget all of that. I will not stand in the place of God. Because we can trust in God to take care of all of that. He says, vengeance is mine. God's power to redeem and restore 
for Joseph was far greater than anything else. So certainly not going to try and minimise some of the sins that have been made against people. But that's just not the end of the story for Joseph actually working through that process of forgiveness was building in him character and understanding that God was with him through it all. And if Joseph, after everything that he went through, can stand there and can go, okay, I'm just going to trust in God. But we can see that actually God just cleansed him from the inside to hold no uh, want of malice for his brothers, just to be wanting to love on them and provide for them. God had done an amazing work. It didn't hold him back. It didn't uh, predict his future. He let go of it. And that changed his life. I see something about our relationship with Jesus that's very powerful here. In the figure of Joseph, we sometimes uh, can see that Jesus is able to do all of these things uh, for us. God can love on us and work with us as we try to forgive those. When we come to Jesus, we need to be real. We need to be open. We need to tell him what we've done. Friends, one of the most important things we can do is come to Jesus in absolute surrender and to tell him everything about ourselves that is terrible. You need to bring the real you to Jesus, to be open, to be honest. Tell him it all. Because when you bring the real you, not the phony you or the churchy you or, you know, the, the um, masked you, when you do bring it all to Jesus, he can work in you like he worked in Joseph. Accept his free gift of grace as you work through all of these things in, our, in your life. Remain in God and he will work everything out in your life for, the, for his good and for his glory. So the next verse, his response is he reassures them and spoke kindly to them. And he says, I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide for your family. I'm going to provide for your little ones. You don't need to worry. Isn't he just lovely? He spoke kindly. I can just imagine, like he's, he's probably quite a substantial figure there in the courts and he's just, guys, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. He's just wrapped it all up in forgiveness, love and compassion. We're just going to go on for the very last uh, little part of Genesis because I actually just love the last bit of Joseph's story. I think it speaks volumes. So between Genesis uh, 50, 21 and 22, we skip forward 50 years. So keep that in mind, okay? So they've been living there together for 50 years. And it says, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children and the children of Machiah, son of Manasseh, was, were placed at 
birth on Joseph's knees. So he spends the rest of his life surrounded by family, watching his children have children. And I can just imagine that as each child was born, they're placed on Joseph's knees and he is blessing them. He is carrying on that beautiful tradition of blessing the children. If you would ever like to bless your children, come and speak to me. I have amazing resources on how you can speak life and hope into the lives of your children. But then he says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Isn't that revealing? Joseph has lived in Egypt for a very, very long time. But he is revealing there the window into his soul. He does not belong there. He is not an Egyptian. He knows that where he belongs is the promised land. In Genesis 15, 13 to 14, he would have known this story. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom, put their, uh, whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions." We don't know how many of uh, the 11 brothers were still alive at this point, but they had all gathered around. And they're there with the Prime Minister of Egypt. And Joseph is remembering. I might be the Prime Minister. I might have saved this whole nation around me through God, but I am remembering This must be what we're talking about. When God said this, this must be the time. Save my bones. He has very uh, specific instructions. He is saying, leave my coffin out in the open. Don't bury me. Don't bury me in the ground. Have my coffin out in the open. There he's dying words. He is trusting. He's putting confidence in God's plan. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, it says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. This is the only aspect of Joseph's life that the writer of Hebrews refers to. It is really important, and I'll tell you why. Because it shows that Joseph knew, and even as he was dying, he was saying, I know what's going to happen. We are not going to be staying in Egypt forever. God is going to rescue us and I am going to use my bones as a reminder of that. I can just imagine uh, Joseph's coffin being just out above the ground 
and kids walking past and going, what's, what's that doing there? Like, we don't do that here in Egypt. We, you know, mummify and we put everybody in pyramids and we have a completely different system. What's this doing? And the parents and the grandparents are saying, oh, no, that's Joseph. That's Joseph's bones in there because he knows. He was, he was the one who, who protected the Israelites. But Joseph knows that God has a plan and that we will be rescued out of Egypt. In those times of slavery, they had a reminder right in front of them, Joseph's bones. And so, Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And he knows that his coffin will proclaim God's promises to the next generation. How good is that? In Exodus 13, 19. So this is the story of Moses It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. 400 years of hanging on to the promises that were held in the image of a coffin. And Moses knew it. He knew, he knew that that was their responsibility 400 years later. And then in Joshua, we see in verse, uh, chapter 24, 32, now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt. They fulfilled the oath that they had made to him 400 years earlier. These chapters have so amazingly highlighted the faithfulness of our God, haven't they? The story of Joseph, the way that he relied on God. He just handed everything over to God and that enabled God to use him in amazing ways. Even in his death, God continued to use him. Why don't you join me as I pray for us this morning? Lord God, I do thank you for this story of Joseph. Lord, I thank you that it shows your faithfulness not only to Joseph, but to a whole nation. Lord, I thank you that when we read this story, Lord, we can find hope and we can find truth. Lord, I pray that we would have a heavenly perspective that we would know that actually our final destination is heaven. Lord, I pray that whoever might be in this room this morning that is struggling, whoever might be here or online and they are struggling with this burden of guilt or this burden of unforgiveness, Lord, we see in both sides that, Lord, you can come and rescue us. You can bring healing and you can bring restoration and wholeness. And, Lord, I would pray that as a, as a people we would come before you and we would humbly submit to you so that your spirit could do that in our lives. Lord, I pray for the freedom. I pray for the hope that that brings.
Lord, I just thank you that through your grace, Lord, that you would do that for us. And we just pray, God, that in all that we do, I pray, God, that we would bring you all glory and all honour. Would you continue, Lord, to remind us of this story? Would we be uh, your uh, example to the world? Would we be just like that coffin that points to your hope, that we had the, the hope that we can have in you? Would we be that in the way that we live our lives? Lord God, I just pray a blessing now on everybody gathered here today and online. Would you be with us in this coming week? We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. So lovely to be with you. Hang around this morning. Say hello to some uh, new people that you may not have met. And God bless you. Have a wonderful week.